Harvest unique is that we are we are fully um, open and clear about who we are and what we're trying to change about the narrative when it comes to Christianity and faith out there. Uh, we do it at the top of every every single service. Um, we we're free to talk about it. We we talk about we believe that God. Um, not only loves, but wants to bring joy and wholeness and happiness into people's lives. And we talk about that. It's something that we talk about on a regular basis. I don't always preach about it. One of the things that I've, I've noticed that um, happens sometimes is as a church, we can become so obsessed with the injustices out there that we don't actually ever talk about God, right? Um, and so most of my messages, I try to, I try to give you something that is worthwhile in thinking about and learning another characteristic or another um, aspect of who God is and not just to make this like a rallying place for social uh, social justice. Uh, we participate in it, we're passionate about it, but our faith goes beyond just social justice. Amen, church? And so we, we're trying to, to, to occupy that middle space where you've got a lot of people out there that won't talk about it ever. You've got a lot of people out there that will only talk about it. We are, we are inspired by our faith and for what God has done for us to then extend that to the rest of the world around us. Without that first part, there is no passion, right, to, to, to love and to accept and receive everyone. And so most of my messages, I don't focus on that. Today, I'm going to focus a little bit on that today. I, I, I'm doing this partly because we were at Pride yesterday but I'm doing it because it's it's a message that as people come to our church that are new, you may not have heard me say it uh, or, or say it this way. A lot of people have made a decision in their hearts about how they feel, but they haven't necessarily figured out a way to make it make sense in their brains as they work through uh, scriptures and the Bible. And so I, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of teach a message I've taught before, but for those of you that think you're going to get a repeat, I am taking a completely different angle on it. I'm adding something that I never saw before, and so don't tune it out. Whatever you do, don't tune it out, because there's something new in here I never saw before, and when I saw it, I was like, I've got to do this again. So if you've never heard this message, it's going to be all new, and for those of you that have heard a portion of this specific story, there's a completely kind of new take on it. We're going to go to Peter. Uh, we're going to go to the book of Acts. It's not going to be on the screen behind you because we're going to move quickly through this. Um, Acts, when we're reading the account of Peter in, 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 in Acts 11, we, we are reading Peter's retelling of a story that happens at the end of chapter 9 and chapter 10. And it is Peter having a vision He's in somebody's home, which is very important. We'll get to that. And he has a vision, and God says some things to him that contradict his, his uh, religious framework. And, and then in, in chapter 11, um, as he's retelling the story and about how he was summoned to go to the house of Cornelius, um, we, we see some things in here that are very valuable for our own journey. Now, let me set this up by this. We, if you've grown up in church, we have made the word Gentile synonymous with somebody who's not a Jew, right? But throughout history, Gentile is a more general word that's used for anyone outside of anything. 
So the Greeks used the word Gentile to describe anyone who is not Greek. The Romans used the word Gentile to describe anyone who wasn't Roman. The Jews, of course, used the word Gentile to describe anyone who wasn't Jewish. Back in um, around the 1100s or 1200s, uh, when the Christian Crusades was going on, they would the, the Christians were going to attack or to take over a village or a town, and, and they would refer to them as the Gentiles. We wiped out the Gentiles in this village and took over their town. And so Gentile is simply a word that means them. Those people. Others. So when we say Gentile, we just mean those people. And the truth is, every one of us at some point in our life has been those people. Yeah, that guy. Them. We've all been othered. It could have been on a playground in school. could have been in a corporate office downtown. could be in our own families or, or another church. We have been that other. We have been that person that has been looked down upon. We have walked in places where they made it apparent, you don't belong here. You are a Gentile to us. You don't fit into our, our culture. You don't fit into our thought process, our thinking. Our, you're just not one of us. So when we say Gentile, when we talk about how God felt about the Gentiles, we're not saying this is how God feels about anyone who's not Jewish. We're saying this is how God feels about anyone, anywhere that has been othered. Anyone, anywhere that is those people. Come on. Some of us have at least one semi-racist grandfather that at some point referred to those people. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, you ain't dating one of them, are you? Those people, you know those people, right? So we, we're familiar that the sentiment of those people is rarely positive. It's a negative, usually hateful connotation. So when we say we have the Jews and the Gentiles, we think it's just like these two just like equal groups. No, we have the Jews in these scriptures and those people that we wish didn't exist. This wasn't a like, can we just like have different parts, you know, of the world that we occupy and let's just not, no. It's, we wish they don't exist. They don't have our rights. They can't watch our children. The, the Jews of the time would say that they don't want somebody non-Jewish to watch their kids because they thought they would like use them as some sort of like sacrifice to their gods. It was all fear-based and it was like, don't let those people have any control or power in our government or neighborhoods or don't let them into our religion because, because they're, they're going to do something bad. Does it sound familiar? And um, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be a little naughty right now and just tell you this. I, I don't believe that the answer to, uh, I don't believe that our nation's problems is, is that white people don't have enough power. Or that, 
or that straight white men are the most um, marginalized group on earth. I don't buy into that. If that's what you believe, we're going to have a tough time together. I mean, you're still welcome and we love you, but if you think that straight, straight white men are the most hated group in America or the most marginalized, systematically marginalized group in America, you're nuts. We're not. Just simply put. And those people who aren't white and straight out there are not ruining our country. That's a bunch of fear-mongering nonsense, and it goes back century upon century upon century because people always use religion to other people in order to gain power. Do you hear me today? We're talking about centuries and centuries, thousands of years, people have used the main religion to other everybody else to seize power. It wasn't about God being lifted up. It wasn't about revival. It wasn't about, you know, we got to cry out on our knees and save our nation. It was always, always about let's get rid of dissenting voices so that we can become more powerful, so we can take over, so that we can have control. And it's nonsense. And it was going back, going on back then. Do you hear me? All right. Please, I hope you do. So, so Peter's telling the story, now that we've set this up with the Gentiles. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and you ate with them. I want you to just hear this for a second. Peter's followers, Peter, the ones that Peter was hanging out with, the other Jews, the other, you can, you can substitute any word in here. It's not about Jewish. It's about, it was the ruling group. It was the, it was the people that ha had all the privilege. Can I leave it there? And so the, the, the ones that had all of the privilege, the ones that at this time were the ruling class, in at least parts of this area. They came to Peter and they said, we heard, listen to me, those people experienced our God. And they weren't saying, we heard you had a real great meeting and those people had the spirit of God fall on them and we're just, we're just so excited we have a celebration dinner together. That's not what this was. It's like, Peter, we get it. You feel called to those people. And our, our leadership team has had this said to us in certain ways. <laughs> we get it. That's cute. You feel you want to be their hero. But, like, you're not, like, actually saying that the Spirit of God, the same Spirit of God that chose us as a people is also, like, the same Spirit is falling on them. You're not saying that, are you? Because we heard, we heard, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea, they heard that the Gentiles, also known as those people, also received the word of God. I'll get stopped every once in a while, and I know some of our team here does too. I'll get stopped by somebody from our past, whoever. 
usually starts off with, I know what you're up to over there. And I was like, ooh, you cracked the code, didn't ya? You just figured it out, didn't ya? I was like, I have like 3,000 sermons online. Like, where did you find the information? <laughs> it takes you like one post to figure this out on our a very public social media. I know what you're up to. So when Peter went up to, and I'll, I, I got to stop. And what's so offensive is how dare you say that our God, that the spirit of God could move and love those people. That's what they're offended about. So that's why this is such a massively important story. And he said, you went into that house of uncircumcised men and you ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. Uh, can I just say another thing? I'm sorry. This is just, it's too good. Of all the things they could have said about the men that Now, it's a joke, but it's not. You know why? Because it always ends up in what's going on in our shorts. This should have been in number nine of my ethics. It always does. Out of all the things it could have said, it's a really weird statement to make. We heard you ate with people who have not had such and such cut off of their such and such. It's a weird statement. But we know what this comes down to. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheep being led down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it, and I saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said this, Peter said, I replied, surely not, Lord, for nothing in impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Lord, I believe this vision's from you, but I'm one of the clean ones. I'm not unclean. You've made it really apparent what's clean and unclean. I know what Leviticus says. I know what Leviticus says even about things like being around dead animals and their carcasses. The rules around what they could touch and not touch, eat and not eat. The way they had to dress. The way they conducted themselves in every area of life. I've done my best to do that. And I, I'm not impure. And you're telling me to kill and to eat something. This is so important to understand. That, number one, I'm not supposed to eat. I'm not going to put something in my mouth. I'm not going to consume something. I'm not going to go along with something that is going to ruin my record as a pure man, as a clean man. They had two types of people in the society, clean and unclean. voice from heaven spoke a second time 
Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This is interesting because if you go back into the Levitical law, you're going to find out that God made it very clear never to eat this animal. Come on, you got to hear me today. God made it very clear not to eat this animal. Just like he made it very clear that a eunuch, somebody that mutilated their genitals, could never enter heaven. And then we find out years later that the eunuch from Ethiopia was one of the first people to convert to Christianity. Do you hear me today? But it's clear in Leviticus you, you can't do this. But we find out that when God decides to make something or someone or, 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 or whatever it is out there clean, who are we to say it is no longer clean? But there's a scripture. Yeah, there's a scripture about Moabites too. That Moabites would never see or enter the gates of heaven. But then Ruth the Moabite comes along. How do we deal with that? The scripture's clear. The scripture's clear about the eunuch. The scripture's clear about the Moabite. The scripture's clear about Gentiles, about the unclean. And he says to him, this happened three times. Now, I don't know about you, but I learned at a very young age when anytime something's repeated three times in the Bible, we should pay attention to it. Come on. And then it was pulled up to heaven again, this sheet, this thing. Peter says, right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The spirit told me, have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me and he entered the man's house and he told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and said, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning that I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? Well, there's a scripture that says you can. This is important. There's scriptures to support Peter saying, no, I will not go to that house of that Roman. I will not go, I will not take the invitation to go to somebody that I have a scripture that says that they are unclean. I, 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 I'm not going. I, I can't ruin my record. I'm, we do things a certain way, and that's not it. I, I, won't, I won't receive the invitation to go play at pride. Come on, you have got to hear this. If you think this is any different, you're mistaken. It's exactly the same. I will not go. There's scripture to support. I can go back to Leviticus and see they, they, they're called this or they're called that or, 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 or these Romans here or the, that animal you told me to eat. It doesn't matter. There's, 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 there's over 600 laws to look at. That's just three of them. And, and, and I, I can't do this. And the Lord says, once I have declared something is clean, you don't tell me it's no longer clean. I have redeemed it. And when I've redeemed it, you don't get to look back at Leviticus and say it's not redeemed anymore. Do you hear me today? And so then, oh, you've got to see this. This is such, such an unbelievable idea here. So I was like, where was Peter staying? Does anybody know? Well, without going back to verse 9 and verse 10, or chapter 9 and 10, we don't know. 
Because it just says Peter was staying at somebody's house. Whose house was he staying at? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Acts 9, 43. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with Tanner, a tanner named Simon. Simon the tanner. Somebody who tanned hides. Somebody who worked with dead carcasses all day long. Somebody who worked with unclean animals all day long in his house. Somebody who Peter would have to cross the street and walk on the other side to not even walk the same sidewalk with because he works with unclean animals. Again, Acts 10. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. Simon the Tanner was a socioeconomic outcast. Tanners worked with dead animals. Come on. You got to understand this culturally. This is like unbelievable. The filth and stench around his house and his place would have been awful. And imagine how Simon looked and smelled. They didn't have the modern plumbing we have. They didn't bathe every morning and night. He's working with dead animal carcasses, folks. He would have been the object of great, great social disdain. And almost anyone in society would have felt superior to him. Being a tanner was not something that you, like, reached high for. Like, you didn't pull the kindergarten class in Jerusalem and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? You're not going to get any of them to say a tanner. This was a low-class, unclean, worthy of disdain human being, which none of you in this room are. I want to make that very clear. I'm not making that parallel today. But specifically, think about the setup. Peter is getting ready to receive a guest that's going to say, we need you to come to one of those other people's homes and to eat food that you're not supposed to eat and to bring this message of the good news to a group of people you're not even supposed to be around. So before that happens, number one, the only, I don't know why he's staying there, but the place he ends up staying is literally like, Ground, it's like, it is like ground zero for the unclean. Then he has a vision from God showing him an unclean animal and telling him to get up, to kill it, and to eat it. He says, hey, I'm already in this unclean guy's house, and now you're telling me to eat things I'm not supposed to eat. This is just blowing up my little Levitical, you know, background and world, and I don't know if I can do this right now. Like, God, I, I have really worked hard to stay pure and clean, and now you want me to do this. And God says, don't you dare call something, un which means, listen to me, this is so important, which, which means sometime, some between those scriptures in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and this moment, God declared that these things were no longer unclean. Now, hold on, hold on with me now. Here's the thing. We always catch when God says something's unclean. 
but we oftentimes miss when God has redeemed something and told it it is clean. We will push that to the side and say, maybe we misinterpreted this. But when we get a chance to other people, we're all over it. Our human nature tells us, yeah, this feels right. Yeah, they can't be in here. Yeah, you're right. This feels good. Yeah, I am special. Mm -hmm. Yep, God does love me. I am one of the special ones. You're right. The minute I trip over the stair and the minute I... (laughs) The minute God says, hey, maybe maybe you've lived your whole life thinking a certain way, but uh, I'm telling you, at some point you missed it. And I've redeemed this thing and told you you can partake in it. It's not unclean anymore. This animal is no longer unclean. These people you've othered, that you spent your whole life making sure that you walk on the other side of the street from, you're going to stay with one of them. It's going to be your evangelical base. It's where you're going to send out your appeal letters for $77.77 so that you too can be blessed. Come on. It's going to be right, right with Simon the Tanner. And I wrote this down. I think this is kind of cool. And boy, this is, this, is, this is harvest in a nutshell. Simon the Tanner, the difference is Simon the Tanner had heard about Jesus. It didn't matter how unclean Simon the Tanner was. It didn't matter what Leviticus said about Simon the Tanner. All it took was for Simon the Tanner to encounter Jesus and to say, hey, I think this this guy is, is the real deal. I think this message of love and hope, come on, for all of humanity is the right message. And somewhere along the line, Simon the Tanner said, I'm going to join this movement here because this feels like the real deal. And I'm going to worry about what for thousands of years they've said my kind of job or what I do or who I am isn't clean. I'm not going to worry about that because this guy seems like the real deal. And it feels like things are changing in the right direction towards the actual heart of the father. And I thought about this. Think about this. He found acceptance there that society never gave him. And so Simon the Tanner hosted Simon the prophet, Simon the apostle. Do you hear me today? Simon the unclean hosted Simon Peter the apostle. Peter was his nickname. Jesus said, upon this rock, Petra, Peter, I will build my church. Peter wasn't his name. His name was Simon. So you got two Simons, one unclean and one that says, I've never let a foul thing touch my mouth. Right? Nothing. I have lived my life as righteously as possible. But you all know that isn't true with me, but that's okay. I'm trying. I'm doing my best. He, uh, I, uh, and then he needs, in a moment, God sets him up to be living in the house of a man who has dead carcasses hanging in his backyard and has him have a vision of eating an unclean animal. And then he gets a knock at the door. And then what's going on here? The the chosen ones. Remember, this isn't Jew versus anybody. This is just at any point in any society, anywhere in the world, the ruling class, the chosen ones. The ones that my father was a deacon and an elder. My grandfather was, I have a lineage and a history of, you can't tell me 
that God has now decided differently in the Bible is clear types. This is what this is what I'm talking about. Versus those people. You have Peter. This is like I just I get so fired up when I read this. After all this, he has a vision. Right? God puts him to live with a man who is the unclean of the unclean. Has a vision from God. He goes back and forth with him three times. God's like, I don't understand what you're not understanding. If I say this clean, it's clean. But, but, this, Leviticus 14. And he's like, then, to make it even more God, before Peter can do any of his things, before Peter can give him the, the basics, before Peter can remind them of how unclean they are and welcome them to the altar so they can cry out for forgiveness from a God who is stingy. Before any of that, the spirit of God falls on those people. The, those people, the spirit of God does not wait for man's religious bull. You know what? You'll hear it on Wednesday night. I'm just kidding. You won't. He doesn't wait around for our crap. He doesn't wait around for our form and our fashion. No, he does not. You know what happens? The spirit of God falls. Peter comes back and he says, I tried, uh, but they stuck me in this house with a guy with dead carcasses that I have this vision. I go back and forth with God three times and I still show up thinking, I don't know if I can do this. And then the spirit of God falls on them. And I said, how can I forbid them our waters? How can I? Clearly it wasn't up to me. God didn't check with me before spirit fell. God made it real clear in my in my dream three times. I was like, no, no, Lord, I think you forgot. I'm one of the, you've got us mixed up. I'm team A. I'm not on the, those people team. I'm one of, you know, I'm Peter. I'm, you're going to build the whole freaking church on me. I'm that guy. Don't make me do this. You're going to ruin my record pops. And he's like, oh, no, no, you you hear me clearly. You may have an idea of what you think is in and out or unclean versus clean, but what I have redeemed with, come on, what I have redeemed once and for all, what I've declared clean is clean. And so when we think about this in our modern context, we don't walk around this earth othering people. We don't walk around this earth pushing people away, recategorizing people saying, those people this and those people that, and how many of those people are you going to let in the church? We're going to let in as many of those people as we possibly can. You know why? Because they are precious to the heart of God, because God is smiling in heaven. And you know why? He's not going to wait for me to, for his spirit to fall on them. So what is this church? This is a church where you, your weird uncle, everybody else in your family, comes. some of you walk in here with your nose held high like, oh my, this is getting out of control. I know your family. You're weird. <laughs> some of you got weird stuff going on. My family's weird. So weird. Speaking of, Jim, go ahead. Um, oh no, I wasn't saying Jim's weird. I was like, not at all. He's not strange at all. Now, here's the deal. We're going to end like this. I don't have the time, but I, you might.
might become the object of Wednesday night. I'm just feeling it in my spirit. I just feel like it'll be way more authentic. It's not going to be Robin this time. It's going to be you. You know what I could do for my whole set? Just have you come up and talk, and then I'll interpret. Just the whole thing. He works at Ringling College of Art and Design, and he's an associate dean of students and handles all their conduct. And he admitted to me himself yesterday that it's parents' weekend, and all the parents are coming in to check out their kids' schools. He says, he goes, you're not going to believe this. I said, I bet I will. He said, I can't tell you how many parents told me they can't understand what I'm saying. I said, what? I said, I can't tell you how many parents don't understand what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't need video evidence if that's what you're saying. The parents just say, what? I, uh, I'll tell you this as we end this day. Uh, we, I can't avoid this story. I can't push this to the side. Um, I have a lot more examples. We're out of time. There are so many times in history, in the history of the scriptures, that it seems like God changes his mind. No, I don't know if God changed his mind or we got it wrong the first time. But I want to tell you this, based on what we know about the heart of our creator, I believe that any time that it feels like he is recommunicating about something, saying, here's what I really meant. Just like when Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, you have read or you've heard that it is said, but I say unto you, anytime we get an I say unto you moment and the, the purpose or goal of that moment is to be more loving, more kind, more of our arms open wide,
read that, I was like, oh, this presents a whole other list of problems. And if you look it up, it's not me just assuming it. I mean, people that understand the culture of the time, they, they're like, yeah, this was not good for Peter. This is a guy that he would not hang out with. It's pretty amazing. Um, we're going to do this today. We uh, Let's pray. And um, then we've got Food Truck Sunday um, out here. Thank you so much. Um, out here is uh, Vesuvio Wood Fire Pizza. The guy is from Naples, Italy. He's, he's, he's Neapolitan, which is where Neapolitan-style pizza come from, wood fire pizza. Don't worry, they've got ketchup. And um, he he's the real deal. He makes his own dough, 48-hour ferment, the whole deal. I already nerded out with him, and it's amazing. They bring San Marzano tomatoes in from Italy for their sauce. It's the real deal. So head on out there. They can push them out pretty fast. It's like two and a half minutes of pizza, and they can do a bunch of them at a time. So I mean, it's fast, so just hang out with us. It'll be a good time. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this message today. Let it rewire our brains for some of the stuff that over time we have become so locked on to, to realize that this isn't the first time in history that it's seemingly like you've changed your mind. But Lord, I, I often believe that we maybe missed it the first time, that you really are that loving and you've always been that loving and that including inclusive of your creation. So today, let us be reminded that every sibling world deserves the opportunity and right to know the goodness of God and because of Jesus we have been redeemed for those that are in Christ Jesus we have been redeemed that redemption has been paid for so God bless your people today let's have an amazing time uh, as we just hang out and connect and build community and uh, let's have a wonderful week in your name we pray and everyone says amen we love you guys we'll see you Wednesday night and next Sunday